Hello and welcome to How to Be a Better DM, the official podcast of Monsters.Rent. My name is Tanner Wayland. Uh, today I'm excited to lead you by the hand on the road to being a better DM. Was that too cheesy? Uh, I was going for a little bit cheesy, but, but maybe I went too hard. Either way, I'm excited to be with all of you. Uh, today we're going to talk about a topic that is kind of uh, sibling or adjacent to the topic that we had last week. Last week, as you'll recall, we talked about how uh, some DMs get so uh, pigeonholed into thinking that a specific conversation can only have one purpose, right? And how you should really be open to a variety of uh, possibilities with each NPC player interaction. Now, you're probably wondering, okay, what, what's this sister topic to this? And I would say it is being creative or allowing creativity in the solutions to the problems or obstacles you set. Uh, l- let me explain a little bit. Uh, so with life, I-, I think I found this personally, where I'll think that like, oh man, what do I do? I feel like I can only do this one thing, but it's really hard. A- and then I talk to someone else and they're like, well, have you thought about doing this instead? Right? That- that's happened so much like in job searching, in, you know, in school, in, in when I was picking my major, there's so many things that we just get, you know, laser focused on, you know, hey, there's one solution and, and it better happen or, or shame on me for not making it happen. And it doesn't need to be that way with D&D. In fact, I think D&D is wonderful in the way that it has so many options because so much of it is improv and storytelling in the moment. It's something that you can't really replicate in, you know, in pretty much any other medium, right? Like certainly not in video games because video games, as much as they try and give you options, they have to program everything. So they can't give you all the options in the world. Uh, and same for, you know, a book because a book has to be written beforehand and everything else, right? With D&D, you can tell a story in the moment. You can give the players obstacles and then be like, hey, you figure out how you want to get past this. Uh, the problem is, is that I see a lot of DMs, and I've, I'm guilty of this too, where we think, hey, here's a, an obstacle uh, in their path, and, and they'd better choose the right solution, because otherwise I'm going to shut them down. You know, I, I don't know if we often consciously think about that, but our actions kind of promote that that's what we're doing, right? Uh, let me give an example. So let's say a party made up of, of a cleric, a barbarian, a wizard, and a druid come upon a stone door that's made of dark slate and has a scrawl of runes engraved into it in a spiral. You know, one of the party goes up, you know, tries pushing, pulling lightly on the handles, and and it doesn't swing open easily, right? Uh, and so people go into, uh, into fact-finding or, you know, solution-finding mode. The cleric sees a skeleton nearby, you know, at the side of the hallway, and decides, you know, to speak with it, cast the spell, the, the skeleton sits up, and the cleric starts asking questions about like, hey, how do I move this door? Uh, the skeleton uh, answers it, uh, it's a heavy door, and it takes a strong hero to move it. The cleric asks like, okay, but is there another way? Is there a, a special mechanism, a password, something else? The skeleton answers no to each of these questions, and then falls back on the ground. Um, so kind of stumped, the wizard steps up. 
He has the idea of casting clairvoyance past the door so that he can see where it is, see beyond it, and then casting Misty Step uh, to see on the other side if there's a way to open it, right? Maybe there's a mechanism there. And so then he tries to do it, and then this, then you tell him, oh, the, the runes glow, and both neither spell works, right? Uh, and then this, the wizard, of course, backs away, stumped. The druid, uh, he sees that, you know, okay, the ground seems a little, you know, it's got some dirt. And he's like, you know what? I'll turn into a mole or a weasel and try and like burrow underneath, you know, just make a little uh, movement underneath the door and, and kind of get on the other side that way. Uh, and you you give them a super high DC, kind of citing that like, oh, it's, it's, it's a dungeon dirt, so it's really difficult. Basically, you kind of expect them to fail. And you set a high DC, they fail. No luck. And then the barbarian comes up and, you know, rolls an athletic skill check, you know, crushes it. And then, you know, with veins bulging, uh, they are able to push the door open. And then, you know, one smiling barbarian and three bummed other adventurers kind of pass through. Do you see how that kind of feels so so restrictive uh just a situation like that you know we have so many classes for a reason and yet so many times we look at a specific obstacle as like oh this is a martial character obstacle or vice versa you know we look at something that's arcane and we're like oh sure hope the party has a cleric or a warlock or a sorcerer or something right because otherwise ugh, you know screw them what we need to think of is like, hey, there's so many classes and there's also so many solutions. And especially when a player is trying their hardest to be creative, you don't want to shut that down. So, you know, I would say that the first thing you need to do, if you're, if you're listening to me and you're like, I don't know if I do that, ask these questions to yourself. Have you ever discounted a player's idea as soon as they've said it? Now, you know, asking further is did you discount it because it wasn't what you had in mind or to frame it a different way have you ever decided that there can only be one uh, solution to an obstacle that you create in your game because if you do then you can kind of see where you uh, curtail or cut off any chance for being creative right uh, and once again just reiterating I think that much like life and how, you know, when we're creative and open to different uh, solutions to our problems, we, we have much more, a much better time. Uh, I think it's the same for D&D, especially when you think of, uh, of how it can improve a player's experience because players are there in many ways to be creative. It's a creative game. It's one that's oftentimes played, you know, in the, in the theater of imagination and it'd be a real shame if we don't kind of make use of that entire stage, you know? Uh, so uh, how can you uh, how can you kind of figure out what to do next and to kind of change up your play style? Uh, well, let's first kind of talk about the reasons why DMs do this, why they kind of pigeonhole themselves and only have one solution. First off, I think that they don't want to plan. 
and I don't mean this like, oh, they're lazy. I mean like, no, DMs, as a DM, we have to pick and choose our battles, right? We can't plan everything down to to every detail unless, you know, we have plenty of time and we're really good at it. Most of the time, we're kind of, uh, we're taking shortcuts, we're doing things that are comfortable, that we feel comfortable improving in the moment, uh, or we're planning to a T the things that we feel less comfortable with. And if a DM doesn't want to deal with, you know, the druid turning into weasel and what, what the mechanics are of digging or anything else, right, then they're going to really have a hard time listening to a player. Um, beyond that, I think that I think another problem is that they think that their solution may be the most interesting. Uh, and I don't mean this like in a prideful way. I think that because DMs have a lot more time to prepare than players, and since a lot of players, you know, maybe they get comfortable in their role playing and in their uh, mechanics, they don't often try, you know, things that are crazy interesting. But, you know, that's one of the traps that a DM can fall into is be like, hey, I think my solution is the best one. Let's just let's just stick with that. And then the third thing that kind of leads DMs to doing this is they want to spotlight one player. Now, I have thoughts on that and the other two, but let's let's go back to the first one, namely the DM doesn't want to, you know, doesn't want to plan too much and plan all the various solutions to an issue. That is a valid concern, frankly, uh, and I think that it, it can absorb a lot of time if you're like, hey, I really want to put this stone door or this trap uh, in their way, and then you're like, well, I might as well do it well, right? Uh, and you feel like you either have to plan everything or you just make a very specific, specific solution. I don't think you have to. You know, I don't think those are the only options. If your problem is that you know you only plan one solution to an obstacle because you're worried about spending too much time planning then you know there's a few ways you can work with that right first off you can do a skill check chart as in you know behind your dm screen or on your laptop or however you're doing it uh, have a chart of dcs right specifically difficulty checks where it's like oh for an easy task is like this and it's a dc of five and a medium, an average difficulty task is that, you know, you know what I'm saying. Basically, if you have certain rules that you consistently feel just uncomfortable with and that you feel like you have to research more, just print it out on a card, have it accessible so that if a player is like, hey, I want to try this specific thing. And you're like, oh man, what are the water mechanics? Instead of you just immediately being like, uh, no, the water looks too choppy. You can't go in. You can instead be like, actually, I've got this card here. Let me read up real quick. Okay. Yeah, cool. So you go in the water. Uh, this is how it works. And you can kind of play with the players a bit more because you did a bit more prep beforehand, but it's not the kind of grueling prep where you have to know everything. It's the kind of prep where you just are open to possibilities because you printed out or bookmarked uh, certain, certain mechanics that you might not be as familiar with. Right. Um, and beyond that, I don't think that you need to plan everything. Uh, in many ways, a part of the solution, or rather the entire solution, should be the players planning things, right? In the moment, you presented an obstacle, and they should be the ones to come up with the solution, not you. You're, in fact, you're making yourself work more as a DM 
by prepping, you know, all the solutions or even prepping one. If you just kind of have in mind, like, hey, here are some various ways, like some loose ways that they could make it work, then I think that you're golden, right? You don't need to go beyond that. Hello, this is Tanner, and I wanted to introduce you to the character I'm playing for a live play D&D campaign on the Pact and Boon podcast. His name is Wolfgang Kainstotter. He's a dampier, meaning his father was a vampire and his mother was a human. He was raised in a noble family of vampires that specializes in providing mercenaries for both nobles and criminals, which is where he learned his skills to become a ranger, at least when he wasn't being bullied by his half-siblings. All that changed, of course, when he got sent to the Nine Hells of Calignos, where our story begins. If you'd like to follow along with our adventures, please check out our new live play podcast, Pact and Boon, when it comes out this Friday, the 5th of April, 2024. Go to studios.com forward slash Pact N Boon to get more info. We are so excited to share our adventures with you. And and this kind of leads into the the answers to the next uh, reason why DMs will only have one one solution. They think that their solution is the most interesting. How would you respond to that? First off, I would respond like, okay, who is it most interesting for? For you? In many ways, DMs don't DM for themselves. In fact, anyone who has DM'd probably would argue like, oh yeah, it's fun. I'd much rather be a player because they don't have to work as hard. And, and, and you know how that is, right? Being a DM is much more of a service role than anything else. And so when you're thinking about like, oh, but I, I want them to have an interesting time. Think about it from the pay- player's perspective. A player coming up with a solution, acting on it, and then achieving success Uh, what could be more interesting and fulfilling for them than that, right? My point is that you really want to think of like, hey, the more freedom or ability you give the players to come up with a solution, act on it, and actually succeed, the more likely they are to have fun. And and that's that's the goal, right? That's what you're working towards. Um, Now, you know, if if their solution isn't that interesting or logical, you know, if it feels like they're fudging it and not in a funny way, because like if it's super funny, my rules always go for it. But if it, if they're just trying like kind of a gimme solution where they're just trying to get around the obstacle instead of fully addressing it, then, you know, you can you can give them prompts or, you know, kind of guide them to be like, hey, no, don't don't do just a random solution, like actually think it through. And then they'll come up with an interesting solution that they'll remember and you'll remember, right? You don't have to, you know, not coming up with the solution doesn't give your players license to be lazy. It gives them license to be creative and to come up with more interesting options, right? Especially as they collaborate. Um, Now, there's an exception to this. I I would argue that if you make a puzzle or a riddle, um, maybe you could be a little bit creative with a puzzle solution. But in many ways, things like that, it's totally fine to have one specific solution and because you want it to be interesting and to make sense. And that's a-okay, right? Now, I would say that if you do have a situation like that where the players stumble on a puzzle or a riddle, 
and you have a specific solution in mind, I would then make it so that they can be creative in finding hints, right? In finding uh, that answer, that one specific answer, right? Because then you're opening up room for creativity where it's like, oh, there's a puzzle in the center of the room and the players kind of have to search around the room, you know, in different ways, you know, both arcane and, and just like physically searching. And that gives them a chance to prove, you know, their metal and to be creative. And then they come back and they find that one solution. But you didn't, you didn't give them a very restricted experience. You gave them an experience that had a specific solution, but they could be creative in finding that solution out. Um, and, you know, for that last concern or that last reason that DMs will only choose one solution, namely that they want to make one player the spotlight, I, I think that that's totally valid sometimes, right? Especially, and I don't, I don't need to say this, but I am such an advocate for people who are shy and they kind of get spoken over in, you know, in just friendly meetings or especially in D&D because they're not the energetic creative one or the person who just talks out. You know, in a situation like that, if they're playing the barbarian and you're like, hey, I really want to make them feel like they're just, this was a job for them. Then having a stone door occasionally that they just need a manhandle open, that's totally valid. I don't think that's a problem. Now, I would argue that if you find yourself doing that a lot, then you need a question, you know, how am I treating player interaction in general, right? Are you kind of going into obstacles or encounters, leaving it so open that the person who naturally takes command is always going to take command? I mean, possibly, right? I think that that's something that you need to ask. And that kind of plays into the next part of this. Like, how do you change your DMing style so that you, you actually are allowing more creative solutions? The first one, and it, it answers that last concern of the, you know, the players who you feel the need to make tailor-made challenges for because they're so shy or not proactive enough. The, the solution is sometimes to go turn-based and not just in combat. What I mean is that, you know, if you walk into a room you kind of, if you know that there's going to be a puzzle or that there's just a lot of info going on, like you tell them, oh, there's a, a dais in the middle of the room uh, on it. You see a moon, you know, an actual like object that looks like a little crescent moon and a star and a sun. And then on the walls, you see a mosaic. And if you're kind of giving them all this info and you know that like, hey, I've set a puzzle here or a, an obstacle or a trap that I want them to figure out. You might be tempted to just like let them at it. And, and what's going to happen then is the person who always is, you know, talking first, that person is going to naturally take command again. They're going to try like three or four things. Some of the other players will try like two things. And then the shy player, I mean, the time has been used essentially. And so the shy player will be like, yeah, whatever, whatever they want. Instead, if you could enter a room like that, knowing what you know that that's going to happen in the room, you can then be like, okay, I want to go one by one, find out what you want to do, and then we'll actually resolve it. And then that kind of makes it almost turn-based, right? Where each player has to think, oh, what do I want to do? And in a situation like that, you can start with the player 
who is shy to act, right? That gives them so much strength and, you know, and ability because no one else, it's their time. You've stated like, hey, I'm going to go one by one. And you started with them. So none of their ideas have been taken. And beyond that, it just kind of opens everybody up to think about what they want to do. And then once they've all been like, hey, I want to do this. I want to, you know, I want to go lift that boulder and see what, if there's anything underneath. I want to go study the walls of the mural to see what it's telling me uh, or whatever else, right? Once people have essentially submitted their actions, you can be like, okay, let's resolve it in order. And, and everyone got a chance to be creative and no one's going to, you know, no one's going to feel like you were holding them back just because you went turn-based for a second. In, in many ways, I would really encourage you to do this anytime people, you enter a new room where there's actually stuff to be discovered, right? It allows players to take it seriously and also for each of them to have their turn. And, and when you do this, because each player has that moment, they're going to be more creative. So especially I would really recommend that when you're trying to, to allow for creativity uh, when people are facing your obstacles. Um, now, the second su uh, suggestion I would have when you're trying to change to this style of uh, accepting creative solutions is you don't think about the solutions. I kind of touched on this earlier, but come up with the obstacles, spend your you know, your effort, your time, planning the obstacles well, and, and then don't worry about the solutions, right? If you do that, then you're going to make multifaceted, interesting obstacles that, you know, even for the players who don't know anything about the inner workings of it, they're going to sense that there's multiple ways they could go about it. And because you spent more time working on like, hey, let's make an obstacle, uh, it, sorry, an actually intriguing obstacle, then, then you can kind of sit back and you're like, Hey, I know this obstacle well enough. If they give me an interesting idea to solve it, then I'll totally let them do it. Right. Uh, depending on their role, of course. And so I think if you're able to do that, you know, giving each player his space to be creative, whether it's by being turd-based or just checking in with each of them, and then if you also focus more on making quality obstacles and leave the solution finding to them, uh, then, then you're going to have a solution for wonderful uh, gaming, right? Where the players feel the freedom to be creative and that it actually gets uh, reciprocated. Um, now let's think about that original scenario with that party uh, of four at that stone door. If we were to actually change the style of DMing to where, oh, each player uh, gets to kind of have their solutions treated fairly, then the wizard all of a sudden is actually able to teleport to the other side of the door. Maybe there's a, a mechanism, maybe there isn't. But either way, they were able to do that and look around, right? Maybe the druid, uh, oh, he can't, you know, he, he failed his role, but... Uh, you point out like he rolled a perception and he saw that there's a crack that something like a weasel could slip through, right? Um, or maybe the, uh, maybe the cleric actually does talk to the dead and the day the dead is able to tell him like, Hey, um, it's, it's a riddle on the door. This is what it means. And, uh, and then the, the cleric speaks friend and enters, you know, Lord of the Rings style. 
whatever it is, any of those solutions, if you give each player a chance to, you know, operate like that, then they're each going to be super jazzed come the next obstacle, right? Because you didn't shut them down. You didn't make it known that like, hey, you better have just the skill set that I'm looking for or else you're just going to be useless. You don't want that. They don't want that. And the good news is with the D&D classes, you can be so creative in how you approach certain things, right? Uh, you can have a wizard who like, yeah, they could misty step to the other side after using clairvoyance. They could also maybe, you know, create like, like an actual like elemental spell to like move earth around the door. So they kind of like go on the other side or they reshape the door itself, whatever it is, you know, it gives them, them options and license to be creative. And so I, I've already beat the, you know, beat the drum on this too much probably for your liking, but just, you know, in the next time that you're meeting with your players, uh, bring them a really good obstacle, one that they can just sink their teeth into, be creative with, and one that they don't feel is like super scripted for them. And then you're going to have a great time and you're going to have a fun time too. Um, I really hope that you enjoy it when you do put this into action. And until next time, let's roll initiative. Do you love these podcast episodes, but aren't always able to listen to them? Do you learn better reading information rather than listening to it? Here's what you can do. Go to sessionzerostudios.com slash newsletter. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. You'll get tips and tricks sent directly to your inbox in written format that you can read and reference whenever you want. You'll get tips that we don't share on the podcast and bonus techniques that, frankly, no one has ever heard before. Again, sessionzerostudios.com slash newsletter and uh, get those free tips and techniques right to your inbox every week.